some real pretty shit now, man. You finished. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. What the fuck are we gonna do now? What are we gonna do? Ace Podcast. Blood and Black Rum Podcast presents Aliens. Hey guys, it's Ryan from themoonisdeadworld.net, and I'm joined with my co-host Martin. How's it going? And you're listening to the Blood and Black Rum Podcast. Do a little bit of a different intro. Mix it up a little bit. It's, it gets stale when you're doing the same thing over and over again. Throwing an old curveball. That's right, that's right. An old Uncle Charlie. Exactly. Um, so we're back today. Today is Alien Day, 426, when we're recording. So when this episode actually hits iTunes, it's going to be a little later than Alien Day, unfortunately. But it's just the way that our schedule is lined up this year. We, we record on Wednesdays, if anybody wants to know the behind the mm-hmm. scenes. Um, and then we post our episodes up for a Thursday uh, post if you follow us on itunes you know they always pop up on a thursday you're ready you're like ah yes this work week has been shit but then blood and black rum podcast got a new episode on thursday and that gets me through to friday and then you realize you work saturday and sunday so <laughs> that sucks but uh yeah so we're back we're on alien day and obviously for alien day we had to do the one movie that alien day is based on where it gets the number 426 from, and we've never done it on the podcast before, so we're doing Aliens today. Why didn't someone call it Aliens Day, then? Yeah, you know, you would think they would. They would call it, like, Aliens Day, yeah. just because it yeah. comes... And, and honestly, that is a very odd and specific thing that someone came up with. They were like, you know what? In Aliens, there's this colony called LV-426... So we're going to name 426 Alien Day. It's very mm-hmm. it's a very obscure thing. I don't know where it specifically came from. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me cuz in both Alien and Aliens there's a whole lot of numbers thrown out there. Could use like I think there's like a 709 in Aliens as well. Why why isn't 79 Alien Day? Why has it got to be LV-426? Obviously, that colony sucks ass. <laughs> if, you, if you see it in the film, it's constantly rainy, foggy, windy. No one ever, no one wants to live there. They probably wanted the, the xenomorphs to come and invade their colony. And like, James, get us the fuck off of this rock. <laughs> James Cameron uh, shot in Seattle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the Seattle of space colonies. Expect to see like Pearl Jam out there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. The Pearl Jam's holding a concert and Xenomorphs stopped for just a moment. I did laugh that they actually had a sign posted on the colony. Like it's some kind of like old western town, like Hadley's Hope, population one fifty six. Oh, something. did they have that? Yeah. I didn't yeah, see that. Yeah, they it. they had a like sh- a population. Yeah, sign. they had a sign like Hadley's Hope. I gotta say that population. In, in all of my travels, I've never really seen a population sign like that. I've never seen a town that has, like, a specific sign when you cross the border into, like, you know, n- from one Fonda town knows. to the other. Do, well, do they really? I think Fonda, when you're crossing, like, the bridge from the thruway. That may be true, because they also just have a sign that says Sawyer Fredericks, uh, home, home of Sawyer Fredericks or something like that, so... 
apparently they are very, uh, you know, proud of their town, and they want. Oh, maybe that's like maybe it's like a midwestern thing. I though. think I. I mean, like I said, I've never seen that specifically because just think of like all the things that you'd have to do like constantly, especially even living in a small town. Well, like, well, it only fuck. Be- uh, Mrs. Thompson had another baby. Well, we gotta update the sign again. Oh no! Put that in the budget. Oh, no, that'd be every no, because every ten years the census, you just update it with the census. <laughs> yeah, I just think the logistics of it like, <laughs> coming in. You know, when I think about it, it's funny too, because it's like um, when you were, you went to college in Massachusetts. Yeah. And the one year I went to go out there and visit you, when we were crossing the New York border to Massachusetts. The border's right at the top of the mountain, because we're going through the Berkshires. Right. And it's the border's right at the top of the mountain, but when you're crossing the Massachusetts, there's no real sign that says, like, you're now in Massachusetts. There is one, um, like, towards the top, where there's an outlook. There's, like, a... I mean, it was yeah. foggy, but, I mean... Yeah, you yeah, you probably missed but you, it. But you couldn't really see it. The only way we could tell we were finally in Massachusetts is when we got downhill, the root signs were square, and, you yeah. know, just square with numbers, instead of having that little... Sign thing, and everything was named Colonial. Well, yeah. But, on the way back going to New York, as soon as you hit the top of that mountain, and you were heading towards the New York side, there was a sign that was like 60 feet big that said, Welcome to New York, yep. Empire State, 55, buckle up. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> Which was like funny, because going downhill, that road is twisty, turny, and windy with no guardrail. And they're like, you can go 55 down here. Because on the Massachusetts side, it was 40. And yeah. So it was just funny. That's, it's like, welcome to New York. Buckle up. That's definitely how you know you're in the Massachusetts section. Because you're going 45 and there's never any 55s in Massachusetts besides on a highway. Like on an actual highway, it's always 50. There's no 55s. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. It is it is very strange. <laughs> there's no, you know, there's no 55 that's like a posted speed. It's always on the highways. You, uh, on It's like 50. And then it, I think it jumps up to 65. I don't know if they really have a 55. Hmm. Yeah, it's weird. But anyway, we're, we digressed quite a bit there. Uh, we're covering Aliens today for Alien Day. And um, as I said on the previous episode when we said that we were going to cover this, um, I've never seen it before. Yeah. So it was something like I've seen shame Alien. On, shame on you. That's right. Shame on me. It's, it is really because... I think a lot, most horror fans really have experienced both Alien and Aliens. I have seen Alien many times, multiple times, I should say, not many. And um, Alien 3, I've seen quite a bit. That one I'll say I've seen many times. And I've seen Alien vs. Predator. But I've never seen, um, I had never seen Aliens, never seen Alien Resurrection besides like first couple moments of it on TV sometimes. And um, I've ne- I haven't seen Prometheus. So, it was an experience, to say the least, because I've heard things about aliens. Obviously, a lot of people like it. It's uh, Co- considered wh- probably one one of the best, greatest action fil- horror films yeah. of, of all time. Uh, it's, you know, it's right up there in James Cameron's canon, too. I mean... I th- what doesn't he do that's not great? Well, he's got four more avatars on the horizon or something <laughs> like that, so... I think we can count those in the not great column until we've actually seen. He pro- it. You know, after you know, he said he's going to do like five avatars, but you know, after counting all that money after Avatar yeah. and Titanic, he's probably like, 
Why bother? No need to. No need. <laughs> yeah. Why? Why bother? My house is made of money. That's right. Yes, yeah, he just, lives. He literally just lives in a house that's made of money. Like, why bother? And Bill Paxton died. He probably has. He's, you know, some one of his uh, staple uh, actors. What are you gonna do? Show must go on. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. So we're uh, we're covering aliens today. Um, but first, we're going to take a break and hear from our sponsor before we go into our beer talk. Our sponsor today happens to be us, it's the Blood and Black Rum Podcast, because we recently just made a new t-shirt design for all of our listeners. You can find the t-shirt design on teespring.com, or you can check it out, and this is probably an easier link, on our website at bloodandblackrumpodcast.wordpress.com. Uh, there's a... a sidebar on the site that has a link to the shirt and there's also a, a, a menu option on the top of the page as well where you can click on it and it will take you to that teespring website where you order it now this is a campaign so all of your t-shirt orders will be funded but it runs on a three-day basis so if you're ordering within those three days it will take till the end of the campaign for that to ship out with that said it's a pretty awesome design, and if you are a fan of the Blood and Black Rum podcast, you'll definitely want to pick one up. Not because we're making a lot of money off of it, we definitely aren't, but because it's nice uh, to have some advertising out in the world and to know that you appreciate what we do on the Blood and Black Rum podcast and you want to wear it and, and proudly display it. So it helps us uh, with advertising, and uh, we want to see out there wearing it. If you uh, do end up picking one up, please take a picture of it. We'll share it on uh, our website. We'll share it on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, so let us know if you do end up picking up one of those, and we really appreciate it. We hope you'll, uh, you'll you'll wear us on your chest. Wow, what a great sponsor. Sounds terrific. Dreamy voice. Handsome. That's right. Charismatic. Good good dudes, good dudes. So definitely check that out. All right, so we're on to beer talk today. Um, I recently picked up a new beer pack that... We've had once on the show before, uh, this, this brewery, but it's not one that we really get all the time. Uh, it's not around that often, you know, like the, it's not a lot of packs available for this. Especially for this a variety pack. Yeah. Variety pack. This is actually the first time I've seen a variety pack for this brewery, I think. And, um, I had to get it, which is weird because we get Brooklyn up here quite a bit. That's right. But I mean, I think this was a lot smaller. I know, but it's Bronx Brewery, by the way. <laughs> Keep um, it a secret. <laughs> Shh, don't tell anyone. But, um, yeah, we've done Bronx on here before. We've done the Rye Pale Ale, which we thought was really good. Yep. Um, I'm not sure what year they kind of started up, but... Yeah, I don't know. Just last year, we started kind of getting their Pale Ale and their Rye Pale Ale and uh, packs up here, six, little six-packs. Yeah. And, um, but you said... Oh, it's 2011 they were established, so, so it's right on the can. So I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that they probably did a lot of local stuff and then I was, I finally branched out to... like a, to, a bigger yeah. canning. Yeah. That's right. But, um, but yeah, so you said you had a variety pack from them today? Yep, got a variety pack. Uh, it's their spring pack, um, because it does contain a spring ale in it, uh, that they make. And that spring ale is really interesting. You had it today. Mm-hmm. I had it in the past. Um, it's a um, a pale ale that has 
tea in it. So it has chamomile and black tea. And it's an interesting brew. Um, if you're looking for something just a little bit different, it's definitely one of those beers that you want to check out. I like it quite a bit. I think it has a very interesting um, taste to it. You know, you still got that pale ale flavor with the hops. It's not super heavy with the hops, but you're also getting that. There's a, there is a florally taste to it, but I would say that even more so, the chamomile doesn't come out as much as like a black tea flavor, like a almost like an iced tea sort of flavor to it. I mean, I, I don't understand the point really of adding the chamomile. If you're gonna do like a black tea, you might as well just because it's gonna. Right. Overpower, like, what a chamomile tea has to offer. Um, I think it's good. It does have, like, a nice pale ale hoppiness to it. And, but it also has a smooth, dark, black tea taste to it. Yeah. It's good, but at the same time, it, it is weird. Like, I don't think necessarily it pairs as well as, say... When we talked about before from the beer fest, like the uh, Sam Adams Chai IPA, I thought that worked really good. The spicy, uh, so like the cinnamon spice from like a chai tea and the hoppiness of the IPA, I thought that worked really well. I think this, though there, it's discernible and it adds something different and not bad, it's good. I cannot see myself drinking it often. It's good, but at the same time, it's not something that I'd find... Overly refreshing. See, I liked it quite a bit, actually. A lot more than you, apparently. Um, well, I don't like chai. So that chai IPA from uh, Sam Adams, I definitely did not like that. I don't, I don't, just, I just don't like that flavor from the chai. This, the spicy, like, um, it, it, I don't know what it is. Like, is it like a cinnamony, nutmeggy sort of thing? It's cinnamony, going nutmeg. On? Yeah, there's like, just spices yeah, galore. Spice, yeah. yeah. It's just not my thing, but like in this case, I liked that it has sort of that, almost like it, it, it pairs well as a spring beer because it's got kind of like that iced tea mixed with pale ale going on. I don't know. That's that's kind of like the taste that I get from it. I, I think you're right with the chamomile. I think the chamomile is probably underutilized in this beer because you got the hops, so there's already that kind of floral arrangement to it anyway. The which, is a, which is a very citrusy floral yeah. floralness to it, so that kind of flat, like just normal, like flowery. Yeah, it does. It just, just doesn't. Yeah, the chamomile just doesn't come out that much, but I think the black tea does. I like it. I think it's a, an interesting brew, and I think that you know if you're looking for something a little bit different from a pale ale perspective. That it's one to check out. It's it's an interesting beer, and you know I I don't know I don't know if everybody will like it, but I definitely enjoy it. I think it's one of um one of my favorites out of this pack, actually. It's a nice, unique. Uh, yeah, take. a little bit different drink. Um, the other one that we had today, um, that I was drinking, Martin had a sip of, um, was their uh, Bronx Banner Ale, which is a golden ale, um, but really it's pr- a pretty hoppy beer. Um, I don't think it's, it's not specifically like a pale ale, but I think in some way it is kind of a pale ale. Uh, it's, it's pretty hot. It's a hoppier. But not like as hoppy as an IPA. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't hit that range, but I, I do think it still has a, a citrusy hoppy flavor to it, which I, I also think is very drinkable. As a banner uh, uh, ale for them, I think it works really well. I think it's probably, you know, it makes sense that that's their go-to that's their hometown brew that's a true not quite pale ale that's right yeah exactly 
unlike Magic Hat's yeah, bastardization I, of... I, I do like that one quite a bit, actually. Uh, I think it's pretty drinkable. Um, the other one that I'm drinking right now that's in that pack is the No Resolutions India Paleo, um, which do, has a lot more hops than our, their uh, other beers. Um, definitely is an, is an IPA. Um, at the same time, it has a very heavy sweetness to the back end of it. Um, and I think that sweetness is a little bit, it becomes a little bit cloying. Um, I'm not, like, this is not my favorite IPA. I, I would probably pick a diff- different IPA if I had to choose. Like, I, I don't know if this is their best beer. I thought it was okay. I only had a couple sips from it, but I thought it was all right. I mean, yeah. Like I said, I'm, for the most part, kind of IPA'd out. Mm-hmm. It's just... Yeah, I think that this one is just a little bit too sweet on the back end. But what I am enjoying right now, surprisingly, is Shock Top. I do not like Shock Top. No? I do think it's better than Blue Moon, but I don't really care for Shock Top. Though I do greatly appreciate the Raspberry Wheat. had that plenty of time in college when the, the few bars that it had on tap. Right now, though, I'm having their Ruby Fresh Grapefruit Shop Top. I love it. Mm-hmm. You like it a lot? I like grapefruit beers. Me too. Uh, I don't, which is weird, because I don't really care for grapefruit and grapefruit juice. Oh, I, really? I, I think it's way, like, too bitter. Yeah. Um, I think it's way too bitter and bitter and sour, like it's way too tart. Mm-hmm. Because I've tried it, because I, I had a friend in college who said Simply Grapefruit was the greatest juice ever. And I spent like $5 on a bottle of Simply Grapefruit. Try it. And I couldn't drink it. I mm. had like literally three sips from a glass. I'm like, you can have this. I can't. I cannot drink this. But I think with when you combine grapefruit with something, I think it pairs well. Because like grapefruit shandies, I love. Mm-hmm. They're great. They're refreshing. They're tart. They're bitter. They're crisp. It's got everything going. Same thing with this, though. It's not, it's not shandy. It's a wheat beer. But I think with the, you know, Belgian wheat style, and instead of like, you know, you know normally an orange pairing, I think grapefruit works perfect with this. I think it's gr- absolutely great. I do think that it's it's good. Um, I think that it's, it maybe, again, I'm, maybe I sound like a broken record, maybe I, maybe I have, maybe I'm the problem, but I think that it's a little too sweet, again, on the back end. Just a little bit. That, I'm fine with, like, with this, though, because again, this, again, it's... It's shocked up. This isn't like the, you know, the, your top shelf, like, Belgian wheat and right. fruit pairing. I'm fine. I Because, it's again, it's like when you're drinking a Bud Light Lime. It's sweet. Out of all, like, the lime-paired beers, it's definitely the sweetest. And that's what you like about it. That's, like, yeah, it's got that really sweet limeness. Because you don't like Labatt Lime true. as much. because it's true. Labatt Blue Light Lime as much because it's not as sweet. It's not... It's limey. It's definitely more beer and, like, hint of lime. Where, you know, Bud Light Lime is very lime-forward. So, like, with this, I'm fine with it being more, like, sweet and fruity. Almost damn near wine cooler level, you know, leaning. Because it's got such a sugariness to it. Because it's what it's going for. And this is that's what it's trying to be. It's not trying to be like, oh, it's beery, but then, like, a hint of right. fruit. It's like, no, it's going to be... Beer and fucking f- the fruit. Yeah, it's it's definitely heavy on the fruit. I it's 
like you said, the the grapefruit comes out, but it's not super bitter like a juice. You know what oh. I mean? Like, and I, get, and I think, like I said, I think it, I think that alone is what makes it pair well. You get all the great aspects of a grapefruit, but like not the negatives. That's true. So, yeah, I mean, I know that my wife, she was the one that bought this. She didn't really like it that much, but you know, I th- I definitely think it's a drinkable beer. No, I like it a lot. Yeah, and that's surprising. I'm really actually surprised to hear you say that you like it a lot. Well, I know. Well, like I said, normal shock top I don't like, but the raspberry wheat, I mean, I haven't had it in years, but I, from what I remember, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a really good. Then again, it's like the same thing with, like, you can you can compare these beers to, like, Harpoon's UFO series. True. Which is a better Belgian wheat beer, but they pair the fruit well. Because although their standard UFO is a Hefeweizen... I don't really like Hefeweizen. It's still a good beer. Right. But their Raspberry UFO is fantastic. Yep. The Grapefruit UFO is fantastic. So, I, I like these. These are, like, great, like, refreshing beers. Like, if you want to, like, go away from, like, a norm on a summer day of, you know, yeah. cream ales and light beers, this would be something, like, you know, you don't want to spend... Extra money on like a line in Kugels for a shandy, but you still kind of want that same thing. You can go with this. That's right. So, all right. Well, we're on to aliens then. Might as well get this show on the road. Um, it's been a while since you've seen aliens, right? Quite a while. Yeah. So it's kind of the. I mean, did you remember a lot of it? Uh, the, like the key parts that most people remember. Yes. Well, and with, and with that said, like, even though I've never seen it, I obviously know, you know, Game Over Man. I I know, I've seen the, you know, clips of the final part. The robot suit fight. Yep, the robot suit, obviously. I, I had the action figures. I had the... Gotta sell them toys to those kids, you know. Yeah, I had the Xenomorph, and I had the... Um, Whatever the the robot is called. I don't know what that... I can't remember what it's called, but it's just like a loader. I think they just call it like a loader or something yeah. like that. I had that, which was always really cool. Um, so, yeah, I've seen, I've seen that part. And obviously, let's see, what, what other... Uh, oh, um, and pretty much them, like, coming through the vents. Mm-hmm. You know, like, in the top part of the vent um, where they don't know where, they, where the xenomorphs are and they're above them. Uh, I've, I've, you know, I've obviously seen that. So really, I feel like I did see like a good portion of the movie just by knowing it from pop culture, by from what you get. Into, I mean, I wouldn't say that Aliens is a very complex film as a whole. It's not really. There's not a lot here where you can't get from a trailer or reading a quick synopsis of what's going on. Like that's basically. The gist of what happens in well, Aliens. Well, it's not the plot's not what matters. Exactly, it's the journey. Right, exactly. But I'm just saying, like, as a film itself, like if you were to boil it down, it's really not that difficult to give a one line synopsis about what Aliens is. Um, after a uh, space colony goes quiet, a, a team of uh, colonial Marines and Ripley from the first film set out to figure out the why everybody died and then find a whole host of aliens living there that's that's pretty much it i mean that in a nutshell the thing in space yeah really pretty well, much. I, actually that'd be more the first alien but yeah that's yeah 
thing in space. But again, though, I do think that the thing is is pretty similar to Aliens as well. Because there is that comedic aspect in the thing that you get yeah. from, like, the beginning of the film. Um, the setting. The like, setting, yep. I Like you said, when we first get to LV426, uh, it looks a lot like, like the, the compound yeah. in the thing. A lot. Yeah. Expecting Kurt Russell to, like, come, like, stumbling around. That's right. Um... Which would have been great. Just think about <laughs> it. Just think about it. Not saying Sigourney Weaver was bad or anything, but just imagine if instead it was Kurt Russell as your hero. Oh, God, side me up. Mind blowing. Um, no, I know, but you're right. It is the journey that brings us through aliens, and I think that for the most part, the film is really successful at porting over. The original film's suspense in that horror aspect of being pursued by a giant alien that you really don't know much about. You don't know how it operates, mm. really. You don't know what it can do. In this case, in Aliens, they know a little bit more about what they can do, but there's still a mystery. Like there's, They haven't really explored and identified what makes up the genetic disposition of the aliens. So I think that that... You know, it still transfers over to this film. But at the same time, they've really added a lot more action elements to the film. With something that we really don't get a lot in the first film. Um, in that film, there's a lot of brooding. There's, like, moments where the the uh, crew is just in space, living their life in space. And there's they're not really... Uh, they don't know anything that's going on. In this case... They're suited up. They're ready. You know, this, the Colonial Marines are sent out to LV-426 because they know that something is wrong on the colony. No one's reporting back in. You have Ripley, who has uh, been in cryostasis for 56 years or something like that, coming in and saying, yeah, there's aliens around, and they have acid for blood, and they impregnate you. So they, they kind of know what's what. Um, so they're going out. And they're locked and loaded, really. So I think that adds that action and atmosphere to the film that James Cameron does so well within this film and, and others that he did at the same time. Um, I think that I I don't I think I prefer Alien just a little bit more. And I know this is probably a controversial opinion, and like a lot of people have differing views on that. But I think I like the the even more minimalist aspect of Alien more than I do Aliens. I, I think, as I said before, I think the perfect comparison is Terminator 1 Terminator 2. Mm-hmm. Um, Alien and Terminator are much more your typical horror films. Where a- Alien's more like, you know, like a sci-fi, as you said, brooding kind of just generic like horror film i don't mean generic in like a like bland sense but like i'm trying to think of like what kind of denomination of horror you'd put it like creature feature i mean yeah kind of in a way i mean like it's like i mean like sci-fi creature feature horror film and terminator one as you said is like basically a slasher film Mm -hmm. whereas in t2 it's an action film there's no horror aspect to it at all 
the the difference between like comparing Terminator Two and Aliens is Aliens though most people consider it an action film. I really wouldn't. I would still say it leans much heavier towards horror, but I think those action elements change it up enough and change the overall tone enough to where it it, it does diff you know have that comparison. I can see why more people, you know, lean towards, like, Aliens, just, like, the same reason why more people lean towards Terminator 2 toward than Terminator 1. No, I, actually, I absolutely see why a lot of people would enjoy Aliens for what it is, because it's obviously a lot... It's a lot, um... It, well, I shouldn't say a lot. It, it's often more lighthearted than Alien. It's got a lot more comedic timing to it like there um obviously bill paxton in here is meant to infuse the film with that sort of humor that you you really don't get in alien there's a little bit of joking at the beginning of alien when the crew are all you know waking up for the first time doing their duties on the ship but for the most part once alien gets going there's not very much humor in it at all and it's mostly about running away from the alien on the ship Whereas in Aliens, the entire, I would say almost like the first hour of this film is devoted to exploring LV-426 and building, building the, that char- the character up. The character and the scenario. Yeah. And, and a lot of that has to do with the sol- the Marines being Marines, really. They're, they're meant to be sort of a... a s- roughnecks. Right, roughnecks. And they're obviously a foil to Ripley, yeah. who is... Very serious for throughout most of the yeah. film. Not like will not have any fun because she knows what she's experienced, and obviously it's made an uh, it's had an effect on her. And it's, well, and it's compounded by the fact too that she's, she, when she's being like interviewed and questioned about, it, they don't take her seriously. They think she's full of bullshit. Right. So all the Marines are like, oh yeah, it's going to be easy and this and this. but she's sitting there like, you don't know what you're getting into, and. So you have that aspect of them being like, oh, is this another bug hunt? Which made me think of like Starship Starship Troopers, yeah. Which, I mean, I'm guessing pretty hard Paul Verhoeven did take quite a bit of... Well, Starship Troopers is based on a novel. No, I know it is, but I mean the aesthetics, though. Yeah, the aesthetics, And the armor, the guns, like, I do think Aliens influenced that. I know it's based off a novel, but I don't, I mean, I I haven't read the novel. But I'm assuming the novel didn't go into detail of those certain aspects. And if they did, I imagine they changed it up to kind of fit. Because again, like I said, the armor, like the being like colonial marines and like going on a bug hunt. Yeah. That's very... Well, you know, I, I definitely, I I think that Aliens does a good job of setting up the plot for the most part within that beginning portion of the film. Because while I do feel that aliens has a very generic plot where you have one guy that seems to be the nice guy, but ends up being the bad guy businessman. Like that's a stereotype standard eighties action scenario. Like this guy's good, but Oh wait, no, he's fueled by money. Like, no, but you can tell though. He's like kind of slimy throughout the entire thing. You can, but you can tell his like mode. You you can, and that's not like trope though. Like, you yeah, can, exactly. You can you can, a... you can tell that like he's try he's being nice because he wants something. Obviously, that's Paul Reiser <laughs> playing the very slimy businessman guy. Um, but like I said, I think that's a very standard 
scenario within these types of films is that you got that one guy and obviously at the beginning he's playing it up really nicely even kind of making fun of some of the other marines when they give ripley a hard time and then later on in the film you find out like everything that he's been telling her is a lie and he's gonna do whatever he can to make sure that he comes back with things that will give him money like, i know it's great because she specifically asks him before she signs up like you promise we're not going to bring any of these things back. That we're literally going there as like a search and destroy. And he's like, oh, you have my word. It's like, yeah, you know. You know I... Yeah, he's you know he's me. bringing them back. You know, you know he's full of shit. He's the guy in Jurassic Park 3 who thought taking the raptor eggs was a good idea. To yeah. like, oh, I thought we could bring them back and like, study them and yeah. make money. <laughs> Fucking asshole. But I think that for the most part... The setup in Aliens is really good because you have that initial um, meeting with Ripley at the beginning of the film when she's thawed out from cryostasis uh, where they bring up her daughter and her daughter's dead. Like she's been dead because Ripley's been frozen for nearly 60 years and she doesn't realize it. Um, and then Well, that's kind of weird though because they said her daughter died at the age of 66. You think in the future they would pro- be prolonging life? Well, that's why I'm curious. What killed her? Yeah, I don't think they ever say. <laughs> no, they didn't. They just said, they just they just say, oh, she died. She died. Yeah, she's dead. Well, maybe Paul Reiser lied to her. That <laughs> yeah, could have been a lie, too. You never know. Um, but I think that they that's a it's a good setup because later on, even though the, the, the film never really explicitly dives into this, there's obviously that mother-daughter bond between Ripley and Newt. And I think that it's... It, in some ways, it it works better than the original Alien because there's at least some sort of motivation for Ripley at this point. Where without Newt being on the colony, she probably would have just been out of there. Who said fuck everybody? Exactly. Then... You wouldn't really have a movie at that point because you would see <laughs> Ripley figuring out okay yep this colony's been overtaken by xenomorphs not just yeah not just not one just one which <laughs> was hard enough to kill in the the first film but you know many so i'm fucking out of here if you guys don't want to come that's fine uh you know and obviously we know that the ship is a russian nesting doll because it has ship upon ship upon ship <laughs> upon car upon so there's many vehicles to to take out <laughs> into space um, so I think like without that, you wouldn't have a movie, but at the same time, like it's, it's definitely a, a nice bond that they share. And I think that the film does a good job of creating that mother daughter bond. I think Newt is, even though she's really not much of a character, you know, there's not a lot of times where her specifically is a, is a character besides what they, it, like a secondary plot device. I still think it. I think it, it does a good job mo- with motivation and giving Ripley something to do. Yeah, I think it's nice. At the same time, I don't. Yeah, you know, I I don't really care for the child acting. It's not. It's not great. No, it's not great. But I'm I'm not saying I'm not blaming the child. I just think that's kind of. A, I always find that to be kind of a terrible plot device type thing just to kind of like we'll just shove a kid in there and like yeah like oh she survived you know 30 days in this just crawling the tunnels and eating twinkies yeah that's true it's, i mean she lived in like a garbage bin 
Yeah, it's <laughs> like so. I guess it makes all sense. these these xenomorphs that have colonized this planet essentially are smart enough to figure out how to get around the power system and the doors. They can't track down one living girl in like a garbage chute. True. Doesn't make some. It doesn't make much sense. I'm not. I'm not. You know. I'm not. Again, not blaming the girl for it. I'm just saying that's that's just. Yeah. It, it's the same. It's the same thing. Like again, I know it's a terrible movie, but like Jurassic Park three with the fucking kid. Like, no, oh, I you know covered myself in T Rex shit. Was able to sneak around, grab some candy bars. I've been living in like this dumpster. Waiting for help for like three weeks, because <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's and, true. It's it's a stretch. For and the- then William H Macy showing. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, like I said, I think that I think that the plot, while simple and somewhat generic for an action film, I think it does a lot with what it has. But I really think that some of the standout things within Aliens um, is for one the setting. Mm-hmm. Which is actually really well done. A lot of times when you get for 1985, it's great. Yeah, a lot of times when you get films like this um, that revolve around running around what's supposed to look like a big, like colony or like a big, giant building, like what yeah. this is. What they're running basically is it within a giant nuclear reactor. Um, you get that sort of, you get the feeling that like, well, this is really on a soundstage. This mm-hmm. is something that they've created It and you don't necessarily understand the makeup of the tunnels and the how layout, it looks, yeah. the layout of it. But I think in this case within Aliens, it's a very successful method of doing that. At the same time, I do think it owes a lot to Alien because Alien also had that very successful layout to its ship mm-hmm. and this copies that a lot it copies the sort of um metallic rung setup of like that original alien film where they're running and you can hear them running on like metal rungs and stuff which actually became a trope in itself for sci-fi within the 80s and for sci-fi 80s and later um just like ship design ship design not even just with like spaceships but with like underwater films like leviathan deep blue sea deep blue sea stuff like that you see the same sort of setup, like, well, if it works in space, it works down underwater, too. Um, and I think, you know, it's it was a very influential piece of horror for these types of science fiction movies. I think it's really interesting to see it in play. I think it works really well in Aliens, just like it did in Alien. Yeah, no, I think the... I think the set's really great. I, I agree. I think, like, this and The Thing are two films, like, with their set design that kind of... A lot of people are like, that's, that's what we gotta fucking do. Right. Um, I think it, at the whole, the whole look of the film is really good. Though, I mean, you can tell there are a bit, like, scenes where, like, like, you know, like, there's an explosion and it's a green screen. I mean, it's not bad, but when they're, like, on the set and, like, the, the detail they put in, mm-hmm. it's really good. It does, it, like, it looks like they spent a lot of time crafting these well thought out uh sets to it, set up the film and no I, I think it's great i think it's a really great looking film. It's, obviously it's iconic because again yeah just think of like all the media and pop culture that's been like influenced by like the setting the design dead space dead space you know the game is alien mm-hmm 
alien aliens. Except Absolutely. the aliens are like you know more like zombies. Yeah. You know, but like the whole like premise and like set design is based off of this. Exactly. So it really is. Yeah. And I think some of the moments where aliens really shines with its setting is, as I mentioned before, when they're um, locked in their room and they they know that the aliens are coming from somewhere because they can see it on the monitor that they're coming from somewhere. And then they eventually find out that they're actually coming from the vents in the uh, above them. Really great use of the setting because you kn- at that point you've had enough time within this area to know kind of the ins and outs of like how you get through airlocks and where the hallways are in the setup. Um, but there's never a time in that scenario where you've ever seen really seen above you. So yeah, at the same time though, you see them below you. True. And you see it's all like these grates that can be lifted up. Yeah. And like there's access tunnels underneath. There is, yeah. So it makes sense above, which by the way, that's the one thing that kind of bugs me. It's like, man, that's just like, seems like poor design to have everything be like just great. So like, oh yeah, there's like four feet of access tunnel above and four feet of access <laughs> tunnel below. You yeah, know? that's true. Yeah. What do you need that for? I don't understand. I mean, it makes for a great setting, but I mean, yeah. it is kind of. Yeah, foolhardy I, when you think about it. That's true, but I think that that's you know that's one area where this film really excels. You get there's a lot of tension out of that scene specifically, especially if you're coming into this film not really knowing about that part of it where mm-hmm. they're coming from above. I think that's probably at the time that was a pretty tense, suspenseful scene when mm-hmm. no one really knew that was going to happen. Um, obviously, now that's kind of pervaded into. Pop culture. Yeah. I, mean, I think most people know that that happens in Aliens. Um, but in this case, it was really successful. But obviously, we, we can't talk about Aliens without talking about the H.R. Giger designs. Which, I mean, we're in Alien as well. But Aliens, I think, has even more of that style of design from Giger's artwork and, you know, costume design. Because you're obviously you're seeing more aliens, you're seeing more, more xenomorphs. Yeah, it's much more uh, accentuated, kind of like detailed though. Though they do a good job too for most of the film keeping all of that hidden. They very rarely focus on like the whole xenomorph until you get to the end, especially with like the queen at the end. It's very there's a lot of quick cuts away from very a very brief looks at them, so you don't get to see them in full detail until like you get to the end when you finally hit the climax which is you know it's a good idea because um they only work so much if you see them in sort of a shadowy mode Mm. like once you kind of especially because these xenomorphs were played by people in suits like you you can't have them clearly out in the open because then that kind of gets rid of the shadowy mystery behind them. The way they move, the kind of like stilted and skeletal methods of that they use as their, you know, body movements. If you have somebody out in the open in the xenomorph suit like that, it doesn't it just doesn't look as realistic and effective as when you have them kind of cloaked in the darkness. Mm -hmm. And this film uses those at advantageous times where they're not there and then they're there. Like, when they're all in the lair, and, you know, they're... You don't really see them at all. You don't see them because they're all crawling on the walls. They they blend into the sort of... The background. Yes. The, you know, the the sweaty 
hive uh, cocoon. Like yeah. That. They blend into that. So I think it's really used well, and they don't overuse the shots of the xenomorphs where they become sort of stale or you get used to that, to seeing them. Mm. Um, but I, I have always really liked Giger's designs anywhere, anyway. Um, but I think that his xenomorph designs are really intricate and they have their own sort of internal um, makeup to them that makes sense to this alien species because we were talking about it during the movie, but they have a, the, the xenomorphs have a very strange um, reproductive system. Not something that we really don't see in a gen in, in most animal species that I can think of is that, you know, they have this queen alien who lays eggs and the eggs contain face huggers and the face huggers then impregnate humans the humans incubate the eggs until they become new xenomorphs so there's kind of that the facehuggers are really like a different kind of interspecies there that once they're born they die off and they give rise to the xenomorph creatures mm. it's an interesting reproductive cycle that they have that i guess in a way mimics sort of like the caterpillar Going from a caterpillar. Caterpillar to butterfly or, you know, something like that, where there's a pupa, pupa stage mm. and a, and a um, cocoon stage, mm. something like that, chrysalis stage. That That's what it kind of reminds me of, but at the same time, it's a very interesting... It's, it's, it, yeah, because that's... The face huggers then going, like, into the... Into the host and then being, you know, chest bursting out. It's not... It doesn't seem like that would be the oh that's the face hugger that's in it. It's the right. face hugger eggs or something. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I very well because again, as I was telling you, I'm like the the aliens is such a fan base that has such a rich backstory now. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's been explored somewhere. Probably, yeah, and, I'm sure somebody in, has in, in some book. I or, hope there's or like comic a, or game. I hope there's I don't, like a romance fanfic about it. It's just like. This is how it works. But, I mean, I'm sure it's explained somewhere in, in there, like in a comic or a game or a book. But I've never, like, gotten into that deep into the lore. No, I haven't. I, I am interested now to, like, you know, to kind of yeah look into that. But, I mean, it's, it's at the same time, like, you know, it, if you're just... If you're just going off the movies, you're like, yeah, that, that is weird, you know. It's yeah. Kind of a... Yeah, it's an odd species <laughs> thing that happens, and it doesn't really explain it. I mean, they go into it a little bit, but I don't even think, like, in this film, our protagonists know that much about aliens or facehuggers, the xenomorphs or facehuggers. They don't, they don't know much at all. Like, in this bishop, who is played by uh, genre hero Lance Henriksen... <laughs> Might as well be Brett Spiner. Yeah. He, like, the bishop reminds me so much, he could have been, like, that, like... Brett Spiner saw aliens. He's like, that's what data's got to be for Star Trek. Next <laughs> Probably. You know, like the, oh, yeah. Yes. But, you know, in this, in this, Bishop is dissecting the facehuggers because they don't really know anything about him. They have never had, they experience with him. Oh. So, like, I, I don't even think in this film that 
is possible to be explored. They kind of just go with it. They're like, yeah, well, I guess that happens. You know, they become chest bursters and that sucks. So just keep them away from your mouth so they don't impregnate you. I, I mean, like, you get that dichotomy, though, like, where they don't, when Ripley's describing her encounters of what they do, because, like, oh, they impregnate, that doesn't seem, you know, pregnant humans and their blood's acid. <laughs> you know, that's ridiculous. Party businessman Yeah, I know, and then they, you know, dismiss her, but at the same time, they knew, they know. They know it's real, because yeah. you know Burke, you know, Paul Geyser. Riser. He, Riser, my bad. Mad about you. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean... He, Paul Reiser, he knows it, it is real. Yeah. So, obviously, they they all know that they exist. They, they all know Sigourney Weaver's not fucking bullshitting them. They're just trying to downplay it so she doesn't, like, go off, like, on a hysteria, you know, like... Uh, yeah. On, like, a publicity yeah, tour. Or, like, you know, because their whole business is colonizing and terraforming worlds, and it's a big multi-million dollar, which I told you I laughed at, like... It's the future. You, it, they're saying it takes decades to terraform and build these atmosphere thing. It is not a multi-million dollar. Pro- <laughs> yeah. Try multi-billion dollar, you know, project to fucking do that. But I mean, that's not like a, that's not like a big nitpick. But it's like funny. It's like hey, you know, come on now. Even in the eighties, you, well, you, you apparently you, even in the eighties, you can dream big enough to like the budget on this is gonna be past the million. Apparently, deflation was a thing. In <laughs> Aliens, where everything got cheaper. <laughs> Terraforming? <laughs> Cheap! <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, so... But, I mean, yeah, so it's like... they uh, Again, they obviously know. Now, granted, we know, too, that the Colonial Marines, and throughout going on, like, past, it's again, 57 years, and they've yes. been colonizing several different planets now. And they've been running into different life forms because they specifically say, "Is this a bug hunt?" Right. It's not so. I, it's I don't think they know exactly what they're getting into, like the Marines themselves. But I think again, I think the business people know. Well, they have to because later on we do find out that Burke had sent the colonists to the spaceship that Ripley mm-hmm. had vacated and come back from. So he has to know that there was something there because. They brought it back. No, I know, and I know, they, but they've been no, but I know, testing but, it. But I'm saying, from them saying, "Is this a bug hunt?" They don't know about this. But right, obviously, exactly. they've been on other planets where they've run into like, oh yeah, like giant alien bug shit that we've had to like, you know, go through, mop up and kill, and so obviously, because again, they don't like talk about this in Alien, like all like the different, no, you know, life forms. That are possibly out there. So by now, though, they've, they've experienced uh, many of them, and you can gather that just from like the like the little conversations that like the you know when they first come out of hyper uh, sleep. So, so yeah, like again, I think I think the film's definitely hinting towards the the business people. They they probably all know that. Yeah, she's not full of shit. Just you know, they're just trying to. They know be, be greedy shit businessmen. <laughs> yeah, they know, and they need to. They want to bring it back. Yeah, because it's for some reason it would be it would be because again, what, what makes it, I mean, I don't think Burke would want to do you know just go and do it on his own. 
Because what makes them think like, hey, yeah, I brought one back. Let's weaponize it. Like, you're a genius. Here's a million dollars. Yeah, that's yeah, the thing I, that I would, don't. You'd feel like they, like he'd probably have a directive. Like someone's like, hey, she wasn't full of shit. Then stuff's out there. You you want that? You want you know if they can go out there and like control people, you know we want to. Yeah, I mean you gotta you gotta laugh at the the terrible decision that that would be though. Just seeing how much it how easily it decimated an entire colony of people living on this terraformed planet. You're like, well, you know that's a multi in their in their sense million dollar operation <laughs> wasted. Well, let's just bring it back to Earth then. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and we'll test it there because it went so well testing it on a, just a, an, a, like, what was it? 120 something people? 156. 100, yes. Yeah, 100, 100 something colonists. That went so well. It just went right through them. So, you know, we'll bring it back to Earth and, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it is funny. It, that, that, that plot scenario, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, but you chalk it up to greedy businessmen not recognizing the sitting error there, of their ways. Sitting there just like yeah. rubbing their hands to like, nah, money. The money that we <laughs> can make on this, yeah. But I, I mean, I do like how Ripley even comments on like how it's just about the percentage. Just about, you know, getting that money back. <laughs> making sure, you know, we can't nuke the planet because it's it was fucking expensive. I know, because yeah, he's like, let's nuke it. Like, yeah, let's nuke it. And he's like, what? And Paul goes, is just like, Whoa, 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 whoa. We spent multi-million dollars into this, you know. Yeah. Oh, it's like, oh, you're right. Yeah. We, <laughs> we should let these things just, you know. Live on this. Yeah. What difference does it make at that point? <laughs> Fucking infested with aliens? Okay, but we'll leave it because it was my... Especially now that almost your entire Marine squad that went in yeah. there has been decimated. You only got... Fucking Bill Paxton running around going, game over, game over. Yeah, it's you either, know, in a fit of hysteria. Yeah, the two, the three Marines, and the you know, you and Ripley, you're gonna hunker down against the colony of Xenomorphs. Good, you know, get out while you still, you know. Exactly. Well, one thing that I, um, I also really love about this film, and by love I mean that sarcastically, is that when Ripley goes back to get to save Newt from the xenomorphs who have taken her back and are apparently going to impregnate her at some point. Um, she's putting at risk, not only herself, but also, uh, Bishop who I guess is synthetic. So she doesn't really care. She doesn't even like synthetics that much because no, but she's, film. she's warmed up to it. She has warmed up uh, to him from yeah. like, from what's happened. And then, and then the other guy, which is, uh, Hicks. Hicks. Um, so she's not, she's like making that decision for them. Like, well, I'm going in. Well, no, Bishop's like, no, I got to go in. But no, Hicks is, Hicks does say we're not going. So he, he was on board. I guess with, he's on board. He was on board with dying there. You know, she didn't get Newt back, but I mean. Still, that's pretty <laughs> inconvenient way to die. Just like, well, we could leave, <laughs> but, uh, we're not going to. Well, you can save the little girl. That's... Even in an R-rated film, you can't let the little girl be. No. She's mutilated. She's got to come out alive. Got to take that elevator. That's three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, that's one thing that I, I do not really... I mean, there's Buildings a lot of... exploding. Always taught. Fire, you know, building on fire. Don't go in the elevator. Yeah. Let's go in the elevator. That's one thing that bothers me. I mean, there's a lot of unrealistic things about aliens, but one thing that does bother me is that if you count down from when she gets off of the the... 
um, craft and takes the elevator. It takes at least a minute to get down on the elevator. And while she's down there, it's like 14 minutes to detonation. And the detonation is going to be like 40 kilometers or something like that. Something like very large. So she's got to, she's got to find new and then get back up the, on the elevator and then take off with the spacecraft and then get out of range of the blast within 15, 14 minutes. So you got a lot, one minute for the elevator at least. The second time up was two minutes like going up. Yeah. And then you've got to, you know, you've got to give yourself probably like a minute or so to at least get out of blast range. So you're talking like you've, you've got like eight minutes to save Newt. And I don't believe that the entire scenario in Aliens where she goes to find Newt, she finds Newt, but oh wait, now there's the queen, there's the queen. And, now and, all she's, the eggs. and all the eggs, now she's for some reason blasting at the queen with the uh, grenades when she knows the entire base is going to explode in less than 10 minutes, so there's no point in doing that because you might as well just let her blow up with the base, so you do that. Now you think now you think about it. She just all she did is piss off the queen. Exactly. If she had just took Newt just and ran, the queen, queen would have been sitting there shitting eggs. Yeah. None the wiser. Exactly. The place is going the, up in smoke. The reason why? Now, but but instead she pisses it off and it follows her in the spaceship and essentially butchers Bishop. And yeah, because the the reason why the queen leaves get, goes after her in the first place is because she shoots a bunch of grenades at the queen, and then. The queen is like, fuck this, I'm gonna ditch my placenta or whatever she's got going on. She, like, rips it off of her and then goes after her. But that wouldn't have happened if Ripley had not, like, torched all those eggs. Just leave them alone. Just leave, just, just leave it. Just run away. Because they're gonna explode anyway. But I don't believe that entire scenario takes place in eight minutes. No. You know, I also think of, too, what makes you think... That this, I mean, obviously, she said that in, like, the beginning when they're saying, like, well, we've been there, and there's nothing indigenous to that, you know, planet, meaning xenomorphs, and she said it came from a spaceship, you know. Right. From the beacon that, in the first film that they, you know, were attracted to. So what makes you think, even if you destroy, you know, the queen and all the eggs... There's not going to be other planets out there with xenomorphs on them. Oh yeah, I mean there definitely would be more more planets. You're out gonna have you're gonna have a lot of mopping up to do. You're right? Gonna... Yeah, because I Starship I... Troopers bug hunting is gonna want you know you to join the Space Marines now to you know mop them up. So well, I mean ultimately, I think that Aliens is a film that's against extraterrestrial ex like terraforming and like creating colonies out of these places because obviously you're going to have those unknowns. You're going to have that like, you know, something could be lurking out there. So I, I don't know if it's, if, I don't think it's, it's truly like em- emphasizing like um, ga- galactic imperialism or something like that. You know what I mean? It's, it, it's not really open to that. I think it's more so like, you gotta be gotta careful. careful about where you're expanding into because there could be things lurking out there. Is there a bigger thematic um, thing within the this film than that? Is there anything else that this film is getting at besides? Don't be a greedy shit. Yeah, bag. don't be a greedy shit bag because aliens <laughs> will come and get you. Um, you know, mother daughter bond, obviously. 
Very important. But uh, other than that, is there like anything thematic that resonates from the aliens being in you know on this planet, and you have colonists attempting to take over the planet? Is it that inevitably we always taint what we try to uh, colonize? I don't know. I don't really know. <laughs> I don't know if James Cameron's going that deep. I, I'm not gonna. Yeah, I don't think that aliens. Like, I'm, not, I'm mean, not gonna. Like, I am not gonna be like, wow, well, like, yeah. George Romero sitting here talking about the evils of consumerism and materialism right. and Dawn of the Dead. I, no, I'm not doing that in this film. I mean, I think that I don't. I don't think no. I think that's totally. A, that's. I mean, that's what I mean when I say that there. It, Aliens is fairly simplistic in its scope. It's not really and I think covering from, anything. And I big. think, I, but I think it's in simplicity too. Though you can gather a lot of things, you know, like wow, you know, and come up with such a deep thesis, you know, about like what the message is. I think it's just trying to be an entertaining, you know, yeah, I agree. An entertaining popcorn flick. I think it is an entertaining popcorn flick. I think it does that very well. A lot of good action scenes in here. Although, like you said, a lot less than I expected and what you remembered. Yeah. Um, at the same time, though, I think it does a good job with most of it. Besides some of the obvious green screen effects, mm. which I think one of those that's very um, off-putting is the the one where she's shooting grenades into the Queen's Lair. Yeah. That you looks can, very bad. You can tell. That's like, like music video bad. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Of- some of the, like the fire explosions and things like that, flying off into space. Another one that's that doesn't work very well, but obviously you can accept it for what it is. And within this film, I'm surprised to be quite honest with you. I didn't really realize it, but um, Alien and Aliens are like what nine years apart. Yeah. Um, I didn't I didn't realize it. Eight, uh, I'm sorry, seven years apart. Um, I didn't realize that they were so far apart. Yeah, it was quite a while. Quite a while from Alien to Aliens. Um, all right. So, which one do you like more? Um, like I said, I I would agree with you. I would say Alien. Um, I I just like the horror aspect more. Like I said, I think that Aliens is a m- more of a horror film. Than an action film. Mm-hmm. It definitely does have action elements to it that add like that. And it definitely has that 80s action sense of humor. And we didn't even really talk about any of the actors that much. I mean, we kind of briefly touched about it. But I mean, like, Bill Paxton's totally hamming it up in this. Oh, yeah. All, all the Marines in this are totally hamming it up. From, yep. You know, down the line, corny. Over the top. But at the same time, it's very enjoyable. Yeah, but I um, think that's one of the reasons why I prefer Alien. Just because that sort of, like, campiness to this film is not is pretty much endemic to a lot of, like, those 80s action no, films. No, I... No, and I... And I agree. Like, I think... I mean, though, I think, like, again, obviously, Bill Paxton's a standout because he's very over the top. But I do think, like, Sigourney Weaver's very good in this. I do think Lance Hendrickson, as Bishop, he's phenomenal. Yeah, he's really great. He, he plays a very good, like... Robotic. Robot, robotic. 
But not like, but again, he's not, he is an android, but at the same time, he does like have like his little quirks to yeah. him. He's not totally just like a bland, like, I'm a robot. Right, yeah, he's, he's humanistic yeah. too, but he has like sort of that programmed yeah. humanistic. So he, he straddles, yeah, so he straddles it very well and very good. I am, I mean, I think, you know, I, like I said, I think. It's like I wouldn't say there's any bad acting in the film, Mm-mm. but this is where I agree with you. I think Alien. I, I think it's all a tonal thing, and I like Aliens' tone more. I like that more. Just like horror, it's like what's out there. Like you know, it's definitely it's, it's creepier. It's you know, it's more minimal for sure. It's it allows that atmosphere yeah. to seep in, um, and the tension to build yep. and. Um, so yeah, I, like I said, like I said, I, it's totally like, and like I can't stress the comparison enough between like Terminator and Terminator Two. Mm-hmm. I like with that the same thing. People prefer Terminator Two. I prefer Terminator One. I think it, the atmosphere, I think it being like more horror gear, geared and like how it's paced and, is much better than Terminator Two. I think though Terminator Two fun and action and great. I I just don't think I don't think tonally it works. I like the. I mean, they both work great. I just prefer. Yeah. That. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm right there with you, and I, I, but I totally see why a lot of people like Aliens more. Um, just because of that fun aspect to it, because of of the action scenes, um, because you get more xenomorphs. Yeah. If you if you're looking for a lot of alien action, Aliens is a lot heavier on the action than Alien. And so I think that may be part of it, especially looking back, um, like looking back on it now after like, let's say that you saw alien and aliens together, you probably would prefer aliens because that has more aliens in it. It has more xenomorphs. But at the time I like, if you saw alien in 1979 and you were a fan, yeah. yeah, you were a fan. And then you saw alien seven years later, I could see where at that point you were, you would be like, you know, it was it was okay, but it wasn't alien. You know, it didn't it didn't match alien. You would be like, like the thing was the things like yeah, you know, right. Something I would prefer. I I can totally see yeah. both sides of it. I think more contemporary viewers might enjoy aliens more now. Yeah. But um, I can totally see both sides. I and I'm not going to fault you if you say you like aliens more. They're both great films. They they both are. I really enjoyed aliens. Um, I think it may be it may be a little long. I think you could cut maybe just a little bit from the beginning and get it at more of an even two hours. I think that's, I think that's feasible. I, I, I do too, but at the same time, I don't think the two and a half hours really feels that long. No, it doesn't. So. I, I mean, I do think that if we were editing it out, I, I would edit a couple, couple scenes just to, just to even it out at a, a nice two hours, but. I think the pace is really good, and I, I don't, you know, I, I don't have any problems with it per se. Like some other films where you're like stretching two and a half hours, and you're like, okay, all right, let's let's get this on. Like Batman v Superman. <laughs> yeah, we don't need to bring that up again. <laughs> uh, anything else you want to add about Aliens? It's definitely got so much pop culture influence. Absolutely. Um, Mentioned that with like Halo. 
Yeah, like just like I said, Starship Trooper, like the designs, Halo. Like with the captain, um, uh, Corporal Hicks. Or uh, not Corporal uh, Hicks, um, um, like... Sar- the sergeant. Yep, the sergeant, and um, you got, like, not only that, but the spaceships that you, you mentioned, yeah. the sort of the designs. Yeah, very. Um, Enemy Zero, the whole, like, Sega Saturn game. Yep. Um, which, where you, like, are on a spaceship, and... You have like a detector that like you can't see these hidden like camouflaged aliens, and yet like it like beeps faster like the closer they are, and you have to kind of navigate around like that's very like influenced by this like the whole design and the kind of premise. Dead space, obviously, probably lots of arcade games yes. because if you look at sort of the design of the action sequences, mm-hmm. they're very much styled as the scrolling arcade games mm-hmm. of shooters. Uh, even some of them were alien. I mean, Alien did have a lot, quite a bit of arcade games, but Area Fifty One as well. Um, very much, I, I would say, inspired by the types of guns and gunplay that's in Aliens. It's, it has, it definitely has some widespread inspiration. Obviously, not just from Aliens specifically, but um, definitely helped. As I showed you, the great final boss at the end of Conquer's Bad yep. for a Day is a Xenomorph, and he gets to fight it in a. Yes, yeah, one of the loader suits. Loader yep. suits. It's great. Comes out of nowhere. That's right. So, do we have a good Alien Day? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I don't know why I don't watch this often. Aliens, more, yeah, yeah, more often. Yeah, like I said, I I don't know why I've skipped over it. Just kind of happened that way. I've seen Alien quite a bit, but I I'd never seen Aliens, so. It's good to rectify that, though. I'm glad I did. And I, I did enjoy it quite a bit. So, um, out of ten um, pulse rifles, what would you give aliens? Uh, eight and a half. Eight and a half? Yep. I think it's a really good film. Um, set design's great. I love... I just love the overall atmosphere of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Sigourney Weaver's great in it, as always. Um, yeah, there's not a lot. There's not a lot of flaws. I think the few little nitpicks away from it are. Um, I think the the tonal shift for me, if just looking back on Alien, it's kind of you know disappointing. Though it makes sense because it's James Cameron now, not Ridley Scott, and. Um, the soundtrack too is really kind of weak. It's very much like a Star Wars. Yeah, Alien is a lot has a lot better soundtrack yeah. than this one. Um, the soundtrack in this is very like, especially at the end when like they the colonies going up and they're flying away. It's like oh, it sounds exactly like at the end of A New Hope, where like oh, the Death Star is about to blow and the rebels are flying <laughs> off. That's and the way that the ship flies off too, you might as well have had the fucking Millennium Falcon flying behind it too. Like. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, there's like I said, there's not a lot of flaws. Um, I though simple, it, like again, it works. Mm-hmm. It's simple's not a bad thing all the time. Simple can be a very great thing, and I think the simplicity of this film is what makes it makes it great. And I think. The great blend of horror 
aspects and action is v- unique unto its own in this film. I agree. I I think I would give it an eight out of ten. I think some of the I think the, the first action scene is a little bit sloppy, just because they're attempting to not show you very much at that time, and I think that it kind of becomes disorienting in it in in its way. Um, and I like you mentioned some like the soundtrack issues, um, a couple other things, but I I like it, and I think that it does a really good job, and and it's a, a good movie. All around, but I do prefer Alien over Aliens. Um, uh, so shoot me. <laughs> uh, people won't be happy about that, but that's that's okay. Everybody's entitled to their to their opinions on the film. Um, but I think uh, I think I would definitely watch Aliens again. It's on my list now. It's on my list of things, and I think that Aliens. Um, is much less action oriented than even Alien Three. When you get into Alien Three, that that's like completely an action movie. That's that's no longer horror at all. Whereas in Aliens, there is that great mix of horror and action, which I like a lot. All right, so what's up next? What's uh what's on the what's on the pl- agenda for uh for next week? I don't know. What do you want to do? I'm not sure. I have an idea. We what? You want to do one hour photo? Well, there's that, but you had talked about doing a 90s um, horror month, horror yeah. month, yeah. and next month is the start of May. So, okay, then. I think it's the perfect time, because we're starting a new month, I think it's the per- perfect time to do our 90s slasher month. So, what are we going to do for those four weeks? I think that we should start with Urban Legend. Okay. Because Urban Legend is one of those films... That's very nostalgic because I remember catching it on like TV all the time. Very nostalgic. Like they used to play it during October all the time on TV. Very nostalgic. Well, you know what we'll do? Because usually we keep one of them a secret. I'll I'll say the three we'll do right now. Well, we're going to do Urban Legend. I know what you did last summer. I know what you did last summer. Jeepers Creepers. Oh, you want to do that one as as a 90s slasher? I mean, it's... Early two, very early two thousands, but I think that fits the mold. No, if it's ninety slasher, you got to do ninety slasher. You I can't think do it fits two thousand. I, th- I think it fits. the You mold. can't do two thousand. Was it two thousand one, two thousand two, two thousand one? Yeah. So it's not even in the nineties at all. Yeah, well, it's close enough. I don't think we should do Jeepers Creepers. I think there's other stuff that we could do besides that. Oh well, fuck you. I think we could do. I don't um, have a field day with Jeepers Creepers. Something like we could do Valentine. Actually, that was 2001 as well. Never mind. We can't do that. Oh, yeah, look Never you. mind. We can't look do that. Look at you. Look at you. I was thinking we could do that one, but we but we can't. Um, We could throw a scream in there. We obviously have to do scream one. You can't just be like, all right, we're going to do scream two. Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know. I don't know if I want to do scream yet or if we want to do that for like a special. We could do, um, we could do, no, we can't. That's a 90s one as well. Um, I don't know. Maybe we have to think about the other ones that we're going to include. Cause you want to, we want to make sure that they're, I mean, urban legend and, uh, I know what you did last summer are two that really stand out for me as ones that we have to do. But then the other two, I'm, I'm open for, uh, for suggestions. So maybe we'll only announce those right now, figure out what the other two we're going to do. Cause I'm not sure. 
It's still sad that on IMDb for Scream, they still have Drew Barrymore top build. Top build. First build. Well, <laughs> she's first build. Well, I, I, that's... I know, but I mean, again, it's like the, the secret's out. It's, yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I it's, think... It's been 21 years. True. <laughs> and, true. You can move on. But we'll we'll definitely do Urban Legend next week. How about Cruel Intentions? It's not even a horror film, though. Is it not? It's not. It is. No, it's not. It's, it's not a horror film at all. <laughs> not a horror film at all. But I think we'll definitely we'll start with Urban Legend next week, and then we'll go from there. And we'll let you know. It's been a long time since I've seen Urban Legend. It's perfect. That's perfect. Well, we could do The Faculty. A little Elijah Wood action in there. I thought that was like 2001. Nope, 1998. Could do that. That'd be a fun one. Yeah, you know, I think we did talk about that, too, doing the faculty. We have talked about the faculty before. You know, fucking nice Josh Harnett vehicle. That's right. So, we got those in store. Next next week, we'll we'll start our 90s slasher month. It's going to be exciting. Could be a fun time. Get All right, to, get to reminisce, especially if, especially if you're our age. You're like, oh yeah, yeah I know, nice fucking I, ice pickaxe going. <laughs> I know. Um, well, we'll see you next week. Now it's time for some some administrative duties. Woo. Uh, you can catch us on iTunes. That's where our, our uh, most people are listening to us. Please give us a review and uh, subscribe to us on there. Uh, you can also listen to us on Stitcher or any other podcasting app that you know of. Uh, I'm sure we're on there. Um, we have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash blood and black rum podcast. Check us out. Give us a like. We have Twitter at blood and black rum. You can tweet us, follow us on there. Um, we have an email address where you can send us requests for movies that we can cover or any suggestions you want to hear that's blood and black rum podcast at gmail.com obviously check out our website blood and black rum podcast at wordpress.com uh, like i said in an earlier ad we do have a new t-shirt out so check that out hopefully you uh want to wear it and rep us and um other than that we hope to catch you next week when we start our 90s slasher month so we'll see you then can we do varsity blues it's not a nice horror movie. <laughs> no varsity <Percy> blues. <laughs> All right. We'll see you next week. Take care.